Blog Talk Radio.
I fought these people who practice war most of my life. It's a tiring game, and mostly you'll get your ass kicked. And with all the criticism and the insults that you'll receive, and the flattery too, it's important to remember, if you believe in what you're saying and you can stay the course, you can make a difference. I urge you, I urge you to find a way to remain alone with yourself. Listen to your silences, not always in a writer's room. Try to find not what the crowd wants so that you can be successful, but try instead to find the true inner meaning of your life here on earth. And never give up on your heart in your struggle for peace, decency, and telling the truth. Thank you. to get people covered or to help stabilize low and middle income earners 
as uh, Obamacare now does. Plus, the bill includes other drastic changes that appeared in some previous bills. Insurers in the private marketplace would be allowed to discriminate against people with pre-existing conditions. For example, it would eliminate the individual mandate, as other bills would have, but uh, this time there is no replacement. Most analysts agree that would inject chaos into the individual market. And taken together, these components add up to a sweeping proposal uh, sure to upend the American health system, uh, care system. And because the Senate has seen an independent analysis yet from the, uh, hasn't seen one yet from the Congressional Budget Office, I can't even say for sure how sweeping and neither can any of the Republicans who have come out in support of it. I'm not the only one drawing this conclusion. The credit agency Fitch Rating uh, uh, recently described Graham Cassidy as more disruptive than the other Republican uh, repeal deals bills. Edwin Park, a policy analyst um, on the budget and policies priorities, said the Graham Cassidy is more radical in the sense that you're eliminating wholesale, the marketplace subsidies, and the Medicaid expansion. Right. So this goes on, but uh, he's just saying that it's, it's it's the worst. You know, it's the worst. And you can go to this site because it breaks it down. But uh, I don't want to break. I don't want to go into all this tonight. But uh, it's about you know, it's a long article. But it's an important article if you're interested in this bill. And just to know that it's the worst ever. Okay, the worst ever. And you can go to this by going to you can get out, get this by going to vox. Uh, dot com I guess yeah vox. dot com and uh, slash healthcare. Mm. It's really it's really quite frightening. They're uh, just determined not yeah. to cover anybody. No, nope, that's what they are. Yeah, it's just to forget about it. I'm gonna play that one thing about I, uh, that I had here. This Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, she she talks about this. It's very brief, but it's only. And she's making comments on this bill. On this bill, right. The one that we just talked Warren about, shreds, Graham. Warren shreds the new Trump care bill. It's okay. cruel, heartless, and shameless. Let's see what she has to say. Uh, Cassidy Graham. Yeah, need help paying for chemotherapy or your surgery? Good luck, Cassidy Graham says. So, anyway, this is her. Need help paying for your chemotherapy or your surgery? Good luck. Cassidy Graham says you're on your own. And what about all the people who count on Medicaid to help out? People with health insurance but who have a baby that was born eight weeks too early and who now needs breathing equipment and special therapists. People who worked hard all their lives but who couldn't save enough to make it through decades in a nursing home. People who use a wheelchair or need a home health aide to come by so they can live independently. What happens to them? Well, with massive cuts to Medicaid, the latest Republican proposal turns America's back on babies, on seniors, on people with disabilities, on our families and our friends and our neighbors who need our help. I could go on and on about this. But let's get one thing straight about this latest Republican plan. It is not more reasonable. It is not more moderate. It is not bipartisan. And it is definitely not something that families in this country want. 
It's just another version of the same old cruel, heartless, shameless plan that Republicans have spent the last eight months trying to jam down the throats of the American people. Oh, boy. Yeah. Gary Stockholm. Yeah. As uh, she said that recently. Yeah. But, um, yeah, pretty sad. But that's what's going on there, folks. That's what's going on. So who does it cover? We don't know. It doesn't sound it like does, it, covers it covers anybody. Any, yeah, it, it doesn't cover anything. People, really. It covers people who aren't sick and people who don't need insurance. Yeah. They're healthy. White people lack empathy across the socioeconomic spectrum. New study reveals. What does that mean exactly? So people at the top, the middle, and the bottom. Well, it's just uh, Trump. A lot of Trump supporters are kind of whacked like that. Let's see what they have. Hmm. Hang on a second. It's coming. Takes it's coming. It takes a minute. It's buffering away. You got too many windows open. That's probably why. Those articles that take forever to come up. I bet it'd be good though. I'm interested in that. Well, if we can get it, we will. Huh? Doesn't seem to want to come up. But anyway, you can. Um, it's taking too long. Mm-hmm. So, so if, you, if you're interested in the article, it's uh, it's on alternate.org, and uh, you can check that out. Steve Bannon went out of the news. Just like the hurricane came in, uh, he yeah, went out. Yeah, it's all, you know. He says, he says, he said today, though, that, uh, or yesterday, that uh, <coughs> Trump gave a horrible speech. His speech was terrible. Oh, really? Yeah, he, went, he, says he's, he said he did everything wrong. <laughs> you know, I thought this was very interesting because... Uh, the Irish time. Yeah, this is, uh, well, this... It just says that, unknown to most Americans, the U.S. totally destroyed North Korea once before. And I just thought, it, it, irishtimes.com, I just, uh, just mentioned it and uh, let you know. And they resurrected themselves, huh? Yep. Good. It says, in its, in its Korean War bombing campaign, the U.S. burned down every town in North Korea. Oh, my God. Everything. They, they leveled it. It says the foreign tourists in North Korea are invariably steered to the victorious Fatherland Liberation War Museum in Pyongyang, which documents the isolated nation's crucible years, uh, the 1950-53 war that split the Korean Peninsula in two. Rural school children dressed in military uniform and wearing the bright red neckties of the Youth Revolutionary League Listen wide-eyed as guides explain atrocities by the U.S. aggressors committed during the war. Many of these atrocities refer to what Blaine Hardin, author and former Washington Post reporter, recently called a long, leisurely, and merciless U.S. bombing campaign. Well over half a million tons of bombs dropped napalm and chemical weapons deployed, cities leveled, Although the ferocity of the bombing was recognized as racist and unjustifiable elsewhere in the world, says Hardin, for merry Americans, it was just another conflict in a distant and poorly understood country, he concludes. 
not for nothing it's called the Forgotten War. The result was perhaps three million dead, and the museum recalls the first U.S. armistice in history signed without a victory. In three years of fighting, a single major city changed hands, Kaesong, which is now the last vestige of a once hopeful detente with the South. Air Force General Curtis LeMay, head of the Strategic Air Command during the Korean War, estimated that the American campaign killed 20% of the population. We went over there and fought the war and eventually burned down every town in North Korea, he said. Oh, General Douglas M MacArthur. Radioactive cobalt. Yeah. Yeah. General Douglas MacArthur's plan <coughs> to, to win was a list of targets sent to the Pentagon requesting 34 atomic bombs to create a belt of radioactive cobalt across the neck of Manchuria so that there could be no land invasion of Korea from the north for at least 60 years. What a nice guy. Nice guy. Out of the wreckage of that conflict, unresolved to this day, found that Kim Il-sung built his isolated state, squeezed to the north by an old enemy, China, and a new one, the American back south. Instead of nursery rhymes, school children were taught songs about the American imperialist bastards and their lackeys in Seoul and Tokyo. Incursions by American spy ships and planes and huge annual drills by the Americans and South Koreans that still practice invading the North and decapitating its leadership have worsened the deep official paranoia. Saudi Arabia just arrested 30 over 30 people over issues of loyalty to the de facto ruler, <laughs> the new mm. ruler. Uh, remember the mm. one that uh, gave uh, Ivanka Trump uh, $100 million okay. for her foundation? This is, I'm not finished this is the country that U.S. President Trump threatened to wreck in his speech to the United Nations General Assembly. The United States has great strength and patience, but if it's forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Not known for his deep reading of history, Trump may be unaware that the U.S. has in fact destroyed North Korea once before. And with the next to no concern for civilian casualties, says Bruce Cummings in his book, The Korean War, A History. This amnesia is certainly, surely helping to fuel the current buildup of tensions. The Gallup poll last week found that 53% of Americans would support military action against North Korea if peaceful and diplomatic means fail. When the Americans have, what the Americans have forgotten, however, the North Koreans train to remember. North Korean high schools must set aside two rooms for the study of their lives, of Kim Il-sung and his son, Kim Jong-il, the benevolent son and the dear leader, revered grandfather and the father of Kim Jong-un, who defeated the imperialists. School children spend a sixth of their day in these, in these rooms, surrounded by portraits and episodes from the struggle against the Americans and Japanese. Yeah, we got a call that just came in that I last to take, so uh, she'll be back shortly. Um, but um, uh, yeah, a school uh, yeah. school children spend a sixth of their day in these rooms, um, surrounded by portraits and episodes from the struggle against the Americans and Japanese. 
Anecdotes from Kim Jong-il's life recall the Bible tales of Jesus Christ as he walked among the people. I mean, this is really something, folks. Um, uh, as this really gets a hearing in America, as Cummings recently noted, all of our media appears to live in an internal present, and each new crisis threatens as uh, sui, uh, sui generis. But, he warns, we forget at our peril that bellicose threats against North Korea did not start this week. Um, which is kind of interesting.
Crisis, crisis. Our guy was this guy was a is a is a, a contractor is gonna supposed to come tomorrow, but he can't make it till Friday. So that's only one day. Yeah. These are the things that happen. He'll come. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. Christian well, I numerology. Saved, I saved this for you. Oh, so, so you can see this. This is a prediction. Remember, remember, George. Yeah, oh, he used, he used uh, to make all kinds of. No, predictions. we have, you know remember. It, uh, let's see. December 23rd, no, no, December, is it December 21st? December 21st, 2012, was supposed to be the Mayan end of the world. Yeah, right? yeah, I heard that. Uh, yeah. George doesn't quite make it, unfortunately, he passed away in, in June of that year. But uh, he, he certainly believed that we were on a path. Yeah. But, I, but he would uh, he would be amazed by this one. Because this one here is Christian numerologist says world will end on September 23rd. Mm-hmm. That's this year. Right. How does he figure that? Well, uh, the the Nibiru is supposed to be passing by, mm. I guess, and uh, well, it's going to wreak havoc. Uh, it's probably what's wreaking havoc on Some of it, mm. some of the orbit. They're, they're not talking about it for some reason. You know, they're, they're claiming they're blaming it on sunspots and so. On. But if okay, if you had plans for the weekend, <laughs> Christian a Christian numerologist says you won't get to them because the world is about to end. <laughs> David Mead, a self-proclaimed researcher, is predicting this series of ap- ap- apocalyptic events will begin on September 23rd. Ticking closer to midnight. That clock is a symbolic countdown to an all-out nuclear oh, war. Oh, 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 oh. It's decided based on several factors, including political rhetoric Sounds and the potential good. of nuclear threats. But this morning, our John Keller argues doomsday God. is far from here. Just turn the sound down. Good morning. Did you have trouble sleeping last night? Was it because you saw the news about the Science and Security Board of the Bolton of Atomic Scientists moving their famous doomsday clock from three to two and a half minutes before midnight, the closest it's been to the hour of nuclear annihilation since 1953? Well, the group says it made the move because of the growing threat of climate change and the inauguration of President Trump, who's fond of saber-rattling comments like this tweet last month, saying the United States must greatly strengthen and expand its nuclear capability. I understand why all this might worry you, and history shows us you can't go wrong underestimating the judgment of political leaders. But let me try to reassure you as best I can. The global arsenal of nuclear weapons was about 70,000 in 1986. Since then, it has dropped sharply to less than 15,000. Yes, it doesn't take many of these awful weapons to do horrific damage, but the trend since the Cold War has been toward disarmament and a consensus among nations against ever using them. What about some terrorist group without any self-restraint getting a hold of one? Scary, but it hasn't happened yet, and most, if not all, governments have a stake in making sure they don't. And what about Trump? His critics can't have it both ways. If he's a self-serving narcissist intent on promoting his own business interests and winning broad approval, well, initiating nuclear war doesn't seem to be in his interests. And solid types like Defense Secretary Mattis are there to make sure. So be happy. Don't worry. Or at least, don't worry too much. Your feedback is... Well, that that was just a preview of what of what this is really is, but it says. Um, well, we're talking about this Christian numerologist. If you had plans for the weekend, yeah. the world. I already read that the world Sorry. is about to end. David Mead uh, is a self-proclaimed Christian 
numerologist. According to Mead, the mysterious role planet Nibiru, also known as Planet X, is on a collision course with the Earth, which will bring a world-ending uh, tsunamis and earthquakes. The numerologist claims the dates of recent events like the Great American Solar Eclipse and Hurricane Harvey's flooding of Texas were all marked in the Bible. Mead now says his Planet X theory lines up with more Bible code and ancient uh, markers on the Egyptian pyramids. Uh, NASA has already dismissed the prediction, calling the whole thing a hoax. The space agency has reportedly known about Nibiru, about the Nibiru, Nibiru conspiracy theory for years and shot down the talk of Armageddon in 2012 statement. If Nibiru, a planet X, were real and headed for an encounter with the Earth, astronomers would have been tracking it for at least the past decade, and it would be visible by now to the naked eye. Mead is a self-published author who writes that he studied astronomy at the University of Louisville. He and other doomsayers have actually been saying Nibiru would crash into the Earth several times before, which clearly did not happen. The latest prediction came in 2012 and was linked to the end of the Mayan calendar. Further casting doubt on the theory of Montreal-based radio producer, uh, attempted to book Mead on an interview to discuss his prediction, but he informed her that he wasn't available for uh, interviews until next week. <laughs> next week is is uh, when it's supposed We're to blow supposed up. To blow up and yeah. crash. Okay. Okay. This is crazy. But anyway, I remember poor poor. Uh, I, I, we we had a lot of fun predicting the end of the world there with uh, with George, but. Um, and he was following the Mayan calendar and everything that went with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really fascinating. But, um, uh, but you know, we uh, didn't happen. But it didn't happen in the way that we thought it was going to happen. But it did happen in another way because what happened? It was the end of a period of, of the uh, Piscean Age. That's right. And it and it entered into the Aquarian Age on that time, December twenty first. I believe it was. And they couldn't predict anymore. No, and they couldn't see beyond anything that that was um, the Aquarian Age. So they so that was the period when humanity would begin its ascension, okay, Mm -hmm. to a, a higher higher level. Higher level. And if you go back and you look at that period of time, and you look at from from December to, to twelve or whatever, you look at that period of time till now. Mm-hmm. What have we seen? We've seen tremendous amounts of upheavals, so social upheavals, and everything. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Everyone in the last five years, all right? Uh, you know the rise of ISIS. When, when, the rise when of this, you uh, see all this stuff, you feel like evil is. It's all over. It's all, all over, over the place. But there, but there has to be. Um, but it's God's will. Yeah, it's in it's natural, end. it's nature, it's it's whatever it is. But um, you know, I feel like I, I feel mean, the God poor wills people. the beginning and God wills the end. Yeah, that's how it is. And I don't know if He wants to take out Florida. Well, I guess it's, it's His privilege. He created it, right? That's right. <laughs> Who am I to say? I, if, it, if you were facing. Uh, Hurricane Maria, all right. Uh, I would pray to be be spared. Yeah, you would would be praying to be spared. You'd be evacuating, but whatever you could do. I would hope, you know, I'd try the best I could to. Yeah, 
yeah. be okay and my friends and family and anybody around me and everybody I'd pray for. Yeah. But gee, you know, it's a, must I feel so sorry for those people, they must be so afraid. Oh, I know. It's terrible. It's, it's, it's just horrible. And then to lose all, everything that you own, how do you start again? It's horrible. This one, um, this is the one I wanted to talk about, <coughs> um, get, get involved with, because uh, I just mentioned it's about a four-minute um, talk, but it's by a professor, British Navy microwaves weapons expert exposes how Wi-Fi, cell phones, and microwaves are weapons being used against you by the government. Well, they were always talking about um, waves of radiation being uh, directed toward embassies and well, all look at, the, well, look But at what's sonic, happening in Cuba? Look, that sonic thing, yeah, exactly. It's, like, amazing. Which we got you me. So let, let me, uh, let me uh, introduce you here. The, this, this came out last year. In March last year, it only got 3,500 views. Imagine this thing is very ultra censored, and that's why I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make sure that the people. So people don't want to hear that. I know, but we're going to put it in. Join the Royal. So I think uh, you will hear it tonight. Join the Royal Navy uh, in 1960, and I specialized in microwave warfare. Uh, radar, machine that uses microwave, but they don't just teach you radar, they teach you all about microwaves and other uses. So I understood about microwave warfare and how it can damage people, how it can harm people. Uh, and when I finished with the Royal Navy, uh, I was also a diver in the Royal Navy. Um, and microwaves are used in underwater mines as uh, booby traps. Uh, you can, which actually got me interested because I, I was actually taking a bomb to pieces underwater and it was too complicated. Uh, and I brought it to the surface and my partner that was on the surface said, don't be an idiot, take it back down. He said, if somebody's beaming you with microwaves, They'll go right through you, and as you open the casing, trigger a photoelectric cell, and it'll blow every, all of us up. And, they, and he said, if it doesn't go through to the bomb, it'll aim it at your head and make you make a mistake. And that's really got me interested from that point, because I thought, well, how can microwaves going into your brain make you make a mistake? Um, and I, I asked a lot of questions. I have a very curious brain. And the forces, they're very good at explaining things and telling you things. Uh, so I did that, and, and I, I also did a medical course while I was in to help me understand everything. And when I left, uh, a small part of my job was to question captured agents, spies, terrorists, because microwaves then were used as weapons, as they are today. It is a, a perfect stealth weapon. And when governments don't like a group of people, for instance, the, the ladies who protest at Greenham Common in England about the American missile base, they camped, they were microwaved. We microwaved Catholics in Northern Ireland to make them sick. Uh, it, it goes on all over the world. And 
it's a weapon that you don't know you're being targeted because the dose is very, very low, which is actually more dangerous than a high dose. It's very, very low, and it may take a year or two, but you can, you can cause neurological damage and cancers with low-level microwaves, and you can make all your opponents sick. It's a perfect weapon for a government uh, to use. So that was going on, and, and I gathered all the information about that from people who were captured from other countries uh, to find out what technologies they had, what pulse frequencies they used. But as I said, it was only a small part of my work, but because I was highly trained in it and I was useful, uh, it, it just became a part of my working structure along with master criminals and terrorists and all sorts of people. I found incredibly interesting actually to talk to. Very, very interesting. Because they're a lot like you. They're um, crooks and when criminals. When I left there, oh, was, was, uh, I, I, I took a job enough. teaching yeah, and I taught no advanced level physics and I specialized in nuclear degree. and atomic radiation and again microwaves. <laughs> and it, I've just always been in microwaves. And then coming up as well. It was a doctor. Was frightening. Uh, I, I went to see a doctor once, as most teachers do.
they're not fit to walk on the surface of this planet because they haven't looked at the research and whatever incentive they have, it is not worth the genetic problems that parents are going to face with their children when they're born. And if you think of a single parent, a mother, who has a genetically deformed child, that that particular mother, mother will feel guilty because she gave birth. She will feel guilty and she will be worried every single second of every single day for her life. She will worry that the child won't marry. If the child can marry, she'll worry that the children will carry the disease, which they will. She will worry when she dies who will take care of them. So you are condemning both the family and the children uh, to a lifetime of absolute hell. <clears throat> and this is already published. It is available to look up. It's what I call intentional ignorance. They are offered some sort of incentive and they think, oh, this is going to be good. We'll have it. Now, the problem is, imagine you are a 15-year-old schoolgirl. All of the 400,000 eggs in your ovaries were with you at birth. They're not fully developed, but they're with you. They are 10 times more susceptible to radiation than all of the other DNA in the body. And scientists don't realize that. They don't read all of the papers as I do. So you have this highly susceptible genetic material which is going to make your children. And you are irradiating it because Wi-Fi's, they are transmitters as well as the routers, as well as the ones either side of you. They are all transmitting at this height through your ovaries. So you are risking the damage, the DNA damage, of your child every time you sit down and you use Wi-Fi. And it's like saying, if I smoke a cigarette, which one will cause the damage? The answer is I don't know. It could be the one today. <clears throat> so you now have a child that has a probability of being genetically damaged. But the real damage is when that child grows up. You have genetic material in your ovaries which could be damaged. Now, the real problem comes, so you, you have a child that could be born genetically damaged, but the real problem comes when you become pregnant, if you are a teacher or a mature student and you become pregnant, because the embryo inside your womb, in the first 100 days, all of those 400,000 eggs are forming in your embryo, your child's ovaries. <clears throat> So your child could be born with genetically damaged eggs. And the main thing about the eggs in the ovaries of your child 
is that they have absolutely no protection. It, it hasn't been developed yet. We have a natural protection against microwaves. It was developed since the Stone Age against thunderstorms and massive amounts of radiation coming into our body. But in the, your embryo, your uterus, in the fetus, uh, where your child is developing for the first 100 days, in the ovaries, the eggs do not have that protection. So they are at maximum risk from radiation. And for the first month or so, you wouldn't even know you were pregnant. You wouldn't even be taking precautions. That is the main danger area. So you give birth to a daughter, but her ovaries are now contaminated. She may be normal, she may be genetically damaged, but her ovaries are at the most risk. So when your daughter grows up and she becomes pregnant and has a baby, this is where one of these eggs will be fertilized and come out. So the real damage here is your grandchildren. That is where it is going to show most. And we already see this in animals that have reproductive cycles of a year or two years or three years. We're already seeing this, and it has been published by veterinary schools and vets and scientists, so we know this happens. And it's also been documented uh, in the Cold War when women were deliberately microwaved. So we know it does happen. The documents are there. <laughs> and what you're risking by putting Wi-Fi into schools is the future generations of all of these girls. But it gets worse because this particular DNA, the mitochondrial DNA inside you, and the DNA inside you, the mitochondrial DNA, you can trace unchanged to your mother, her mother, her mother, right the way back to the beginning of the human race in Africa, the Stone Age. You can trace your ancestors, if you could, right back to the very first lady. It is unchanged, the mitochondria. And that is being unchanged in your children, which means if you damage it, your child could be genetically damaged, then her child, and her child, and her child, forever. You are condemning the future generations of every single child until there are no more lines left in the female in your family. You, you must stop. Some, a female must stop producing children for this to stop. <clears throat> so. It, when you put Wi-Fi in schools, what you're saying is, for the sake of a little bit of money that saves getting a workman in to drill holes through the walls to, to feed cable because it's cheaper, we're just going to put Wi-Fi in, but you can have genetically damaged children for the rest of your family's career. That's what we're saying. That's scary, huh?
But anyway, um, you're gonna laugh when you see this. I'm gonna show you this. Um, the the reactions of some of these these are the reactions of some of these leaders are just uh, over over his speech was just hysterical. The uh, pictures. Oh. Like uh, like these guys. These are from uh, Palestine, and uh, but mostly there's there's one. Yeah, these are the Republic of China. Oh, this one here. This is uh, Rex Tillerson. A picture of Rex Tillerson here. And see, look at her. She, yeah, she, I can't really see him. Uh, you can't see anybody? Yeah, well, I can't see well, him that well. You got Mnuchin, but you got uh, Haley sitting there uh, looking like, oh, God. Stoneface. She looks stoneface. Not stoneface. She was, she was working it hard. She was trying to... Uh, not break down, yeah. Say. Look at Melania. Doesn't she look like, oh my God? And here's Kelly, but Melania looks like she's in tears. And then and Kelly's got his hand buried under his hand in front of his face. <laughs> this is well. You know, oh my God! I hope nobody sees me. This is this is well. Uh, th these reactions are well. Uh, Trump is giving a speech, which is really horrendous and uh, horrendous. And you got the guy, the guy from Iran. Uh, he looked like he was going about ready to get up and beat him, but um, it was it was pretty sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I just had to bring that up, but um, it's 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 tough, you know. It's tough. Uh, here's something else that um, nations too broke for universal health care to spend four hundred billion dollars more on the F-13. They want, yeah, they want to spend four hundred billion dollars more on 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 a, on a failed uh, ship. Weapon, uh, weapon, weapon, weapon. Uh, yeah. Airplane. There's always another twenty-seven billion lying around. It seems that the Lockheed Martin needs more money for expensive weapon systems. But the nation's most expensive weapons program isn't done showing U.S. taxpayers how much it's ultimately going to cost. Uh, with Bloomberg reporting, the F-35. Uh, jet fighter budget is now predicted to jump uh, by a cool $27 billion. Wow. <clears throat> Through the estimated future cost of the program has previously hovered at a mind-boggling $379 billion. An updated draft that could be submitted to the Congress as early as today will uh, reportedly exceed $406 billion, a nearly 7% increase. This is insane. So, you know, this is that, this just insane that they, that they're you know uh, they're giving this kind of money to for the F-35 program that that uh, that the military doesn't even want. And nobody you know really proved that we needed. No, no, no. But imagine what the hell you can you can buy with that. I mean, we we could we could uh, you know it's just ridiculous. But here's something that. I thought 89% of the Senate Democrats helped pass the $696.5 billion defense bill. Yeah? So you got to blame Democrats as much as Republicans for, you know, for for this. This is uh, this is bad news, folks. I mean, you don't trust the, the damn Democrats either. No, you can't trust either party. No. I mean, it's, it's I mean, like, they, they created the wars and ah, I mean, got, got us, they both got us to where we are, which is 
they're doing this in they're doing this in, in Texas, but uh, they're 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 trying to put this into the uh, into the national health care budget. Oh. Yeah. Unbelievable. Huh? Unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable. 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 So anyway, oh, this is really interesting. To just uh, just uh, remember Ben Ben Riva. Mm-hmm. Ben. Uh, but he's, he's, he was our next-door neighbor yeah, for a while. And uh, he moved on to uh, uh, bigger and better places. But he, uh, uh, but he said, uh, but he sent this over, which was really interesting. Uh, a Philadelphia company digitizes 25,000 old records, and they free to download, which is that they're all 78s, mm-hmm. right? And I thought. You oh, you had told me about this before. Yeah, last week you told me about it that he sent you that. No, I didn't, because he just sent it today. You got another one from him before. Not this one. A very similar idea. Well, anyway, I thought I'd play one of the old songs. Oh, that would be fun. Well, they got a lot of old songs that were really um, all on 78s, but you'd you'd recognize them. You'd know them. You know, you would recognize it, because then they were redone, but these these were really like... um, some uh, back in the 70, 80 year old tunes. And uh, let me see if I can get it. Come on, this is sort of fun to listen to. If you can get it on there. Let's see if it's good. Let's see. Huh. Hmm. They work. Huh. They used to have them samples. Yes, they don't. I guess they. University of Pennsylvania's Medical Ethics and Health Policy Department supports your WHYY list. But now this was uh, what was really cool about. It. You can go to networks.org, um, which is a nonprofit that that's doing this. And uh, Philly Company digitizes 25,000 old records, and they're free. And if you go to that, if you can get on their site. For some reason, I am on their page there, but it's not. Um, it's not getting me. To, I wanted to, to, to play something that was a little soon. I saw this, an old song, but for some reason, it's not there. Anyway, um, what was really cool is if you play some of this, you'd remember some of these songs, you know. This is really an interesting one, and uh, how much Democrat. Uh, Democrats who oppose single payer are paid by the health care industry. Mm. Yeah, you, uh, this is this is uh, revealing because, as it turns out, there's a lot of Democrats that aren't for or, or oppose single payer, but they're paid by uh, these uh, 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 pharmaceutical companies and um, uh, health care companies. Okay. Uh, to, and they're endorsed by them. Uh, it says a number of high-profile Senate Democrats have voiced, voiced their support for Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All bill um, that he unveiled on Wednesday, but some establishment Democrats have been reluctant to do so. Among those who equivocated on or declined to endorse Sanders' step toward single-payer health care uh, was Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, Hillary Clinton's former running mate Tim Kaine, and Claire McCaskill of Missouri. Otherwise, Senator uh, Sanders' bill has support from around 
one-third of Senate Democrats, and polls show more and more Democratic voters are getting behind the idea. But the ones who aren't are paid for by are paid by the pharmaceuticals and health insurance companies. Uh, while it's hard to com- imply causation or know just how be- beholding lawmakers are to their donors, uh, campaign finance records show that some of the senators reluctant to back the plan do have significant financial ties to the corporate health care industry, which has enjoyed record profits in the past few years under the Affordable Health Care Act. <coughs> and here's a quick look into some of those connections. Um, Kane, who was the vice president there, uh, with Hillary, uh, ran for vice president, who said that at least he would uh, welcome Sanders' bill to the floor for debate, has already received more than $39,000 between uh, 2013 and 2018 for healthcare insurance uh, Centene Corporation and has uh, an anti-single-payer superdelegate on his board who brushed off the idea at a recent company forum. So it's uh, a lot of money. I mean, Kane has received a total of over a million dollars a million three hundred thousand dollars in contribution from insurance industry, uh, a, a million from the health insurance industry, a million three from the pharmaceutical health products, and two million uh, three from health professionals, and another two million from hospitals and nursing homes. So this guy doesn't want uh, single health care, you know. Claire McCaskill, another Democrat, is voting against. The, uh, who doesn't want the single payer uh, Bernie doesn't want to support it. Uh, she's getting um, uh, she gets uh, over a million. Let's see, uh, top contributors, um, Satine Corp, up a hundred thousand uh, dollars. Emily's use list, uh, something too, but lawyers, uh, uh, it's about seven hundred thousand. But uh, received, she received 81000 from Express Scripts and more than 150000 overall with its largest pharmaceutic, pharmacy benefit management organization in the country. So these people are all tied up into the, uh, you know, these guys are all these uh, people that are, are against the single payer. You know, their careers are based on uh, contributions and the donations and loyalty to uh, to the big uh, insurance companies. Yeah, so good luck, folks. You're not going to see, uh, you ain't going to see that for a while unless these people get out of town. Get out of Dodge, you know. So, so we got to do. Well, anyway, uh, that's our show tonight. I want to thank you very much for joining us. And yeah, I say good night, folks. Don't you, Lila? I want to say good night. And I want to thank you. And uh, talk to you next week.